Podcast. Uh, for those of you new, which is pretty much everyone, uh, our whole focus on this podcast and our website and Twitter uh, is focusing on the Pac-12 and the Mountain West conferences, giving you a West Coast coverage of college athletics, and mainly with a with a with the with the hints with the side of uh, of how to uh, wager on such games if you are interested. Uh, so, of course, my name is Aaron, the show pony, and we have uh, Big Gill on the line as well. Good morning, pony. <laughs> Tell you what. football season's finally started. How does that make you feel? I feel like a kid on Christmas Eve right now. We get a little <laughs> bit of a get a little bit of an appetizer uh, tonight. It's a teaser. And then we uh, we hit it hard uh, the rest of the weekend. So excited. Love this weekend. Labor Day weekend, college football. Uh, what a time to be alive. Oh, what a time to be alive. You and I will be attending the Washington State versus Wyoming uh, main event. Uh, clearly, it's, it's, uh, some might call it the undercard to, uh, uh, to Washington-Auburn. Uh, if it wasn't for Washington-Auburn, I'm sure Wyoming-WSU would be the national event. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, but it, in, in all honesty, it may be the best game uh, that we'll talk about out of the weekend. So we'll see. Right, right. So let's get going, because the one thing is, is that uh, we, of course, want to keep these podcasts, uh, you know, somewhat short. But it's tough during these first couple of weeks, because instead of having conference games where each team is playing each other, you have very uh, you have pretty much every team is playing someone different, uh, with the exception of a couple crossovers between the Pac-12 and the Mountain West. So, let's start off right away with um, with a quick game on Thursday. Even though they're not in the Mountain West, uh, just a, some quick thoughts on the New Mexico State Minnesota game, which is a game that both you and I do have interest already with our bets placed. Uh, what are your thoughts on that game? Well, I, I we'll talk about this theme, but I, I think this is a an overreaction to what uh, we saw over the weekend with the Mexico State. Obviously, uh, the folks that watched the game against Wyoming know what they saw. Um, listen, there's a lot of things working against them. It's a short travel week. Um, the defense played 80 plus snaps last weekend. Um, and they're going to Minnesota. You know, a Big Ten Power Five team for their home opener. But I'll tell you the, the reason why I, I'm jumping on New Mexico state at, uh, I think I got plus 21 and I think it's now shown plus 22 in some places. Um, Minnesota's going to be starting a true freshman walk on quarterback. Um, and a lot of power rankings. I don't see uh, Minnesota's not rated much higher than Wyoming. And so, you know, for me, I'm a big fan of PJ Fleck. I think he's going to do great things there, but 
Oh, row your boat. Row your boat. Yeah. But you know what? I, I, I got I to gotta see it to believe it. So I'm willing to take three touchdowns from a team that didn't play very well, who's very well coached, and, uh, you know, roll the dice that way. There are two points that I think we need to point out here that this is a perfect example of there are two things that we see, and this is how we approach uh, every game as far as if it's something that we're going to bet and then which side we're going to bet at that point as well is one of them. Is there the potential for overreaction? So in this case, New Mexico state played Wyoming. There were only a handful of games last week that in week zero for college football that were played. So, and that was the only one, I believe the only one that was on, true national type of scene of ESPN2, which is New Mexico State versus Wyoming. New Mexico State, they were at home as their home opener, and Wyoming just beat them up. It, it wasn't, uh, it, was, it was tough to watch. So that easily explains why the line started at 17 in this game, the New Mexico State versus Minnesota, and has now moved, ballooned up to 22 points. That's a five-point Delta that the line has moved further in favor of Minnesota. I've now Minnesota needed to cover over three touchdowns to, to win that game. Now there are a couple things that I think we need to, uh, to look at is that yes, New Mexico state did not look that good, but on the flip side, their defense really wasn't that bad considering their defense <clears throat> was put in, horrible situations by their offense and the offense had several bad, had bad penalties that bad penalties that were uh, drive killers uh, and, and really just couldn't get any type of rhythm going. Uh, and that offense is replacing a lot of guys. So, so even though New Mexico state looked bad, there's still now we're getting to this range in this game coming up where Minnesota has a walk-on true freshman quarterback that's going to start. There is going to be some growing pains, and it's going to be a very conservative type of an offense from Minnesota when you have that type of – when you have a true freshman coming in to start a very first game of the very first season. So this is now one of those games that when you're looking at it, okay – how many points does New Mexico State have to score to cover that game? My guess is, is that can New Mexico State score 10 points against a really a bad Minnesota team? If they can score 10 points, can you actually see Minnesota scoring more than 30 points with a, with a walk-on true freshman quarterback with an entire team that's not nearly as good? As that Wyoming team, I don't. So those are the two things that look to me that that I look at in this game of an easier reason why New Mexico State is the play and why um, you can see why everyone is getting on the Minnesota train. Uh, and and I think at the end of the day, New Mexico State is by far the best play in this. Yeah, it's, it's a hold your nose pick. I mean, it is. You know, all the money's going on Minnesota. The lines moved. I mean. I'm, you know, basically we're aligning ourselves with the books on this one and going completely contrarian. Right. Uh, And if anybody has been to Vegas, they should know that uh, (laughs) there's a reason why Vegas is uh, as uh, is what it is, is because uh, 
over the long term, the books do always win. So it's not it's it's not a bad thing to be on the same side as the books. Okay, so enough about that stink fest of a game. Let's move on to Friday, where we have a couple fantastic games on the slate, especially for our audience, which is Pac-12 Mountain West, and we have a couple that are going that are going to square off against each other. The first one is your San Diego State uh, versus Stanford. Anybody that listened to our podcast earlier this week that covered um, that covered our kind of our Pac-12 preview would know that we're not as bullish on Stanford as what others might be, especially for their I think 13 overall rank. Uh, so San Diego State coming onto the coming into the farm, uh, the line started at 14 and a half, has been moved. Uh, by a half point down to 14, but you're still getting a two. It's you're requiring a Stanford team that over the last couple of years has truly struggled to score. You are requiring them to score over two touchdowns to beat a San Diego state team that typically is built very similar to Stanford, hard nosed, well-coached football team. Uh, what are your thoughts on this and have they changed at all since we last talked earlier about this game? No, um, it's a game that I, I don't have placed yet only because I'm, I'm kind of holding out. I'm hoping for a hook to come back on the 14 to try to get the 14 and a half. But one thing to note on this game, uh, Stanford just announced that they've got six guys in there too deep on their depth chart that will not play in this game including their starting center, who was a returning starter, and their best their best quarterback. Um, so they're missing six guys. Fully expect to play a lot of snaps this year on both sides of the football. So, you know, you got some issues there, and that's just kind of typical injuries from fall camp. But, listen, San Diego State has a reputation of playing a certain way. They produce great tailbacks. They've got a couple guys that are in the NFL. The guy that's going to replace uh, Jawan Washington is going to be the starter in this game dynamic runner built a lot like Rashad Penny was used in special teams returned a couple kickoffs last year for touchdowns is going to be used in that role again um averaged uh ran for over 700 yards last year which is impressive for how many yards Rashad Penny uh ran for last year that your second running back can have that many well, and he did it on only 120 carries. Wow. So he's the next guy in line, and, and they're going to feature him. He's going to get 25 carries. Rocky Long plays that 3-3-5 defense. ton of experience back. A lot of seniors on, the, on that defense. Listen, they're going to be well coached. They're going to play discipline. Again, I'm just on the side that says, you know, Stanford's going to pull this off. I, I, they got to prove it to me that they can beat this team. I mean, San Diego State beat them last year um, down in San Diego. Yeah, San Diego, so, yep. You know, if I can get uh, – if I'm needing more than uh, two scores to beat me, you know, I'm going to take my chances in week one and, and roll the dice with it. Yep. Uh, fully agreed on that. Let's move on to the next game, which starts a half an hour later. Uh, the San Diego State-Stanford one is going to be on FS1. Uh, this next one is going to be on CBS College Sports, and it's Colorado versus Colorado State. Um you and I have uh, actually have both been to – you've been to this game several times. Uh, I've been to this game once, and it was one of the more nastiest rivalries uh, as far as the two fan bases on how they treat each other. Um, 
that that I think I've ever seen. And that's that's you know, and, and I've seen some pretty. And I've been to a lot of games. Um, and that and the game that I that you and I went to several years back, I believe, my goodness, what was it? Eleven o'clock start, twelve o'clock kick, because they were trying to move up the kick time so that fans wouldn't come to the game uh, as intoxicated, which I, ha- I think the start time had nothing. It did not stop that at all. So for a uh, seven thirty start, it's going to be on a neutral site at uh, Invesco field. Um, what are your thoughts with this game? Um, so much like uh, we talked about New Mexico state, Colorado state played in week zero. Uh, so we, we discussed that in the previous podcast and what they looked like. Um, you know, that line quickly went from six, where it had been hovering for three months, um, went up above the key number of seven, currently sits at seven and a half. I actually locked this in a couple of days ago at, at CSU plus eight. Um, uh, you know, theme here again, it's it's total contrarian. Uh, you had a defense that looked, quite frankly, like they couldn't stop a nosebleed, um, you know, and and, and, and got embarrassed uh, by, by, by Hawaii. But having gone to this uh, this game before and knowing a lot of history about this rivalry, CSU is going to play up. Um, uh, watching film and going through practice, you know, couldn't have been pleasant. Um, but they're going to be ready to go. And I think you can't, you know, you can't uh, forget that they were able to move the ball, score 37, uh, 34 points in that game, actually. Uh, quarterback threw 500-plus yards. They're going to move the football. Uh, Colorado's again very unproven not a team with a lot of expectations it's funny I was listening to local talk radio here yesterday one of the guys here said there's just there's not a lot of excitement around the game this year and there's not because you have a CSU fan base that's down from uh, last week Uh, expectations are low and you got a CU fan base that doesn't know what they what they really have and so quite frankly um, you know I don't think either either fan base really knows what to expect other than the fact that Colorado expects to win this game. Um, it's uh, a game that uh, if, if they don't win, it's, you know, it's, it's devastating to the program. So it's the big brother, little brother mentality, and it probably places a little bit more pressure on them considering what CSU put out on, on the field last week. But, you know, historically this, this game has been a one score um you know, there's been a lot of one score differences and, and I just, I don't expect this thing to, to, to exceed that. I expect it to stay within a touchdown. So for me, the play is CSU. Yeah. I, I think the only thing that I would add to that, and you and I have talked about this offline, that I think one of the stats that really sticks out to me is that Colorado is returning four offensive starters. Um, and uh, anytime that you have that much turnover, on one side of the ball, there's going to be some growing pains. So in this case, to me, I think the biggest advantage is, is that Colorado state has already had that, uh, has already had that, that first game out of the way. Um, I think a big piece of that result that Colorado state versus Hawaii was um, Hawaii came in with a brand new system, offensive system that Colorado State had never seen before. And I think there was a piece of Colorado State, Colorado State reading their own headline, reading the headlines that uh, they were supposed to smash Hawaii and, uh, and focus on Colorado. And, uh, and I think they were surprised by how good Hawaii played in that game. But don't forget the amount of, the amount of yards 
points that were scored uh, in the second half by Colorado State. And I think that carries over. Uh, I, I think that carries over into this game. And, and to be honest, there might be a chance, depending on uh, how many drinks I have before this game, um, that I may sprinkle in a little bit of money line on Colorado State because I can. Part of me thinks that it's going to be tough for Colorado to keep pace with Colorado State offensively. Yeah, I think that's a, that, that's a great point. I also think if you have a you have the ability to bet live on this, and we mentioned this in the previous prod, uh, podcast. If, if Colorado jumps out to a, a quick seven nothing lead, and you see a live number flash that's fourteen and a half, fifteen, to me it's 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 a no brainer at that point because, yep. like, like we said, CSU is going to score points. Uh, so the next game, uh, now we are done with the Friday games. Those two are Friday, uh, Friday games. And then now we're getting to college football Saturday. Um, the first game on the slate is one that we're going to go very quick through. So the, some of these are going to be a rapid fire. Uh, it's Oregon State playing at Ohio State. The only thing that I have to add to this one is, is that obviously there's no question that Ohio State's going to smash them. This is really one of those games that if you dabble on it is – I think the only way that you could play this is actually, again, playing the dog, Oregon State. And your hope is is that with all the distractions that have taken place in Columbus over the last couple of weeks and that there's a new coaching staff with Oregon State that uh, <laughs> that Oregon State keeps it within 38 points. Can they do that? I won't be on this game, yeah. but I would tell you if I had to, the only way I would play this is when the first half numbers are released. If I can get Oregon State at plus 21 or more, um, then I might take a look and hope for a slow start. But the longer this game goes, the athletes in the town of Ohio State are going to take over. Mm -hmm. And so I just think you have to try to condense and shorten your opportunity if you're going to actually try to lay – Money on the Beavers, which, as we mentioned in the previous podcast, are considered the worst Power 5 team in the, in the country this year. Right, right. Uh, moving on to the next game, uh, and this is, to me, is the, the, the high-profile game of the country this week, and it's Washington versus uh, Auburn. It's going to be played in Atlanta and that new flashy Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, one of uh, hearing some interviews and things like that over the last couple of days, one of the ones that really stuck out to me, because you, you see when you see this game, there's there's so much attention on it because everybody knows that if you win that one, it really puts you in a great position, uh, a quality win to put you in a position to have a case to make the final four, the playoff uh, come postseason time to play for national championships. So this is, it, it's, it's a huge game. One of the things that uh, uh, one of the analysts that I really, actually both of us really respect is Joel Klatt. Uh, and, and he said, he goes, uh, he is bullish on Washington. And one of the things he said about Auburn, which I fully agree is that really outside of maybe Notre Dame, Auburn year in and year out uh, is really one of the more overrated teams in college football because every year you hear that Auburn's supposed to be contending for a national title. And yes, they had, they won, they won one with Cam uh, and, and they got very close and got beat by Florida State a couple of years back by Jameis Winston. But uh, so many other times, Auburn is just, just an average football team. Um, so, so with that being said, 
what are your thoughts on this? What number are you looking for? Uh, and is this a, are you going to play something before the game or are you going to wait for live to see what happens? So right now with it currently sitting <clears throat> at Auburn minus two and a half, I'm, I'm really looking one, I'm looking to play the side of Washington. So the stuff you mentioned, I'm, I'm in agreement on, I, I, I would prefer to get above three. I don't know if it's going to get there. This is a game that I would expect because of the national media attention. It's, it's in a primetime slot at, on that ABC um, that there's going to be a lot more action that comes in you know, between, between now and kickoff. And so it, it'll be a line that I watch closely. Um, but you know, if I can get above three pre-kickoff, then I'm, then I'm definitely going to look to take it. Um, and then, you know, live wise, you know, it's really a matter of watching this game and seeing what unfolds. I mean, you know, there, there's a couple things you have to consider. One is, is the pedigree of Chris Peterson, the head coach of Washington, his track record in games where he's got multiple weeks to prepare for an opponent. Um, going back to his days at Boise, he's been next to unbeatable. Um, uh, and, and right up there with really, uh, I think the only coaches that would be ahead of him in that regard would be maybe Urban Meyer and, and clearly Nick Saban. But after that, uh, it's tough to beat Peterson. Couldn't agree more. A uh, lot of uh, lot of returning production on both sides of the ball uh, in the trenches. They got a senior quarterback. Listen, if uh, I, Washington's not going to beat themselves in this game, and so you know, kind of to your point about Gus Malzahn and Auburn, you know, history kind of shows they are more likely to uh, to break your heart than they are to exceed expectations. So I just. I like Washington, and I think the thing I'm – you're going to hear a lot of this, especially uh, the, the morning of the game. And you've got you, you to kind of, <clears throat> you know, drown out the noise of, of hearing SEC and, and everything you're going to hear on ESPN is going to be about Auburn. And um, I just – I don't think people respect Washington. It goes back to not respecting the Pac-12. And you're going to hear a lot of people saying it's going to be a bloodbath for Auburn, and I don't see it. In fact, I, I think Washington's going to win outright. So I'll be involved. Um, unfortunately won't get to watch a single snap of this. So it's going to be hard to play it live. Right. Um, because I'm going to be sitting up, uh, in Laramie, but you know, if you have a chance to watch it and, you know, same kind of idea with Colorado, Colorado state, if, if Auburn jumps out to a lead and you can catch Washington more than a touchdown, uh, I would, I would be all over it. I'm going to record this and watch it when I get home, because I, I do want to see, I, I do want to see how Washington stacks up uh, against Auburn and, and, and see how they look. Um, one thing, one thing to know, cause I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, always keep in mind when you are approaching Saturday games and especially one like this, uh, that is a high profile game. It's going to be talked about a ton on game day that ESPN and the game day crew even though they may say that they love Washington, it is always SEC dominates that show. And rightfully so, because the SEC has you know, won so many championships and it just kind of is the heartbeat of college football. But because of that, people are going to watch people are going to watch game day. And my guess is, is that line is going to move more towards Auburn during after that game day show. So that probably would be the time right up until kickoff that's when you're going to find the best line on that game. If you are looking for Washington. Agreed. Uh, the next game, uh, WSU versus Wyoming. Again, this is the one that you and I are both going to attend in person. 
Uh, the real quick synopsis is, is that Washington State is going to be starting. Uh, the, the assumption is Leach has not announced it. He won't announce it. But the assumption is, is that it's going to be Minshew, who is the transfer from the senior transfer from East Carolina. Uh, but no matter who the quarterback is, uh, the quarterback who is going to be playing for WSU has not taken one single live snap in a college football game for WSU. Um, but Minshew does have, uh, what, three years of experience or whatever with uh, East Carolina. Uh, I, I think the main thing with this, uh, with this game is going to be, uh, one, Washington State clearly has much, much better talent on both sides of the ball than what New Mexico State has. But at the end of the day, Washington State has a uh, weak defensive line, and Wyoming's going to try to punch you in the mouth and, and run at them. So the main, uh, the main area of focus is going to be can WSU uh, stop the Wyoming ground game? If they can, I think they win. If they can't, uh, it may be a long day in Laramie for the Cougs. Uh, what are your thoughts? Line opened at Washington State minus three and a half. Um, currently sits at minus one now. And as expected, Wyoming played on national television, uh, took care of business. All the money's coming in Wyoming, uh, which is moving the line. Um, you know, uh, you, you have a team that's been on television you, uh, uh, in Wyoming, and people have seen them. You have a team in Washington State that there's a lot of question marks. There are a lot of new faces. A lot of unproven talent, although the recruiting classes have, have been good. Um, so naturally, you're getting, you know, you're getting Wyoming, who was a, a short home dog, which is very trendy, um, and people are jumping on it. And, you know, I've, it's one that, quite frankly, it, it may push to a pick em. I don't know if it'll cross over, and you'll see Wyoming as a favorite. But, you know, you got a Mountain West team at home. They play at 7,200 feet above sea level, which is the highest stadium. Um, in fact, I was reading something that Washington State's drinking beet juice and all these things that, you know, to me is more mental than anything else. But I, I think it comes down to what you said is if Wyoming can run the football and uh, keep their offense on the field and keep the WSU defense on the field, wear out the defensive line, which is thin already, you know, and, and, and keep their quarterback out of, of – tough third and longs and ask him not to do a whole lot other than manage the game, then they have a great chance to win. Um, so that'll be the, that'll be the battle within the battle that I'll be watching. And, and uh, I'll probably, if, if it's available, we'll probably be looking at something live in there. Um, but it's tough to call right now. It really is. Cause I think it's, it is a true toss up game. Yep. Uh, couldn't agree more with that. Um, the next game is an intriguing one. It's North Carolina. Uh, heads to Berkeley. Uh, we talked about this game a little bit in the previous podcast uh, earlier this week when we did the Pac-12 preview. Uh, but Cal shocked with a brand new coaching staff last year. Cal went into uh, Chapel Hill and shocked North Carolina. North Carolina actually had a little bit of hype around them um, and shocked them. Now uh, the the turnaround game is, is this Saturday. It's going to be on Fox uh, at, at 2 p.m. Uh, is that 2 p.m. local? All those times are, uh, that we're talking about are mountain time. Mountain time. Okay. So it's going to be uh, 1 p.m. local. Uh, and really probably the, the main um, 
there's a there's a couple storylines behind this game is one North Carolina has seven players that are suspended uh, so that's I think that's a reason why the line opened up at five minus five and a half for Cal and has now moved to a full touchdown in favor of Cal uh, but the other thing too is is that Cal now this is the second year of the coaching staff uh, and they were returning a lot of guys Cal looked they look to be one of those teams that you could see turning the corner and actually starting to have uh, not only go to a bowl game, but be, be a, be a, a decent team in the North last year, they were competitive and this year could be the year that they actually are winning games. Yeah. I, I don't have any interest in this game. I mean, for two reasons, one, I'm not going to watch any of it. Um, and, and, and the second reason is, when you talk about the uncertainty with guys not playing for North Carolina, um, you, you don't have full rosters. And, and quite frankly, uh, I don't know that I'm a believer in the hype on Cal yet. So, I mean, I'll sit back and I'll, I'll look at the box score afterwards and, and see what comes of it. But I, I won't be involved in this one. Yeah. Uh, the next game that is uh, also a 1 p.m. local start time in the Coliseum, the USC Trojans are hosting the Running Rebels of University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Um, UNLV has been historically over these last couple of years one of the worst football teams in Division One. They are getting better. Uh, what say you on this game? Uh, line sits at 26 and a half. It, it opened at 27, obviously in favor of the Trojans. Um, ironically, and, and you'll sometimes see this, uh, more money's coming in on, on Vegas, which has pushed the line down a little bit. But you always get, I think, sometimes a little bit more sharp action out of Vegas because, you know, it's where it's a lot of Vegas, the, right. It's where a lot of the professional gamblers are. And so, you know, they're a little, they're a little more in tune with that team mm-hmm. than I think the uh, most people are. So, I think there's value because, again, you have a, a true freshman quarterback starting for USC. It's it's a game that's, you know, it's it's a one o'clock local start time there in LA. It's Pac-12 Network. It's uh, kind of a that sleepy spot. USC's got Stanford on the horizon. Um, you know, I expect some growing pains uh, with SC on offense, and UNLV does return a senior quarterback who's a dual, dual threat kid. Um, and they've gotten progressively better under Tony Sanchez at UNLV. So I just think it's a sleepy spot where, I mean, you can kind of play this two ways. Um, I don't have anything currently on it. I'd love to have 27. I'd love to have 28. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't think it's going to get there. But you're going to get more than two touchdowns uh, in the first half. And, again, much like, you know, the Oregon State, Ohio State, except UNLV is a lot better than Oregon State. Um, if you can catch two touchdowns in the first half and – you know, expect a slow start from USC. Um, and, you know, you get a couple scores, you know, out of UNLV, maybe even one score, you're probably going to be able to cover that. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those games, and I've seen, uh, and you and I have talked about this before, the USC is one of those teams that uh, they, are, they are always extremely dangerous with the amount of talent on that roster. When they're in a game, that they are motivated to play in the games that they could care less about. That's where they get in trouble a lot of times. And, and, and this isn't UNLV is not going to go on the call scene and beat that. And, and I'm not saying that, but um, there's, I, I think if UNLV can keep the turnovers from 
maybe one or one or less, uh, I think they easily cover this game. And, and that <laughs> first half, I think they covered as well. The only way that I see USC covering that is, again, special team score, turnovers, something like that that gives them easy points. Uh, but if the game is just played normal back and forth, um, uh, I, I know I will be playing a UNLV first half and the game on this one. This is one of my favorite plays of the week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, keep in mind that SC is going to have the better talent at every position for the most part in that game. And, you know, UNLV in the past, you know, like most Mountain West teams, they're giving up a lot of points. And so could, you know, I think the way you lose this bet is is explosive plays as well. So if SC can break off big runs, you know, like you said, special teams, defensive scores, then it's going to make it tougher on Vegas. But I think they're tough enough, and I think they're honestly well coached, and they've got some some veteran guys at some key positions coming back that they're not going to be intimidated going in there, and and I think they'll compete. Um, I obviously don't think they can win the game outright, but you know, asking them to you know keep this thing you know within four scores, I, I don't think is asking a, a, a bunch, you know, or asking a ton out of uh, Vegas this early in the season, right? Uh, so to this point, have we picked a favorite yet that we like? No. No. <laughs> okay. The that's, next... <laughs> and that's probably not going to change very much if you listen to this podcast all year. Um, ride the dogs. We're ride the dogs. Underdog howls. That's you, know? Exactly, you know, and especially in and, – and I'll say, obviously, we're not going to cover NFL, but I strongly suggest during the first couple weeks of the NFL season as well to – play as many dogs as you can. Uh, and, you know, especially week one, there's just people really don't know what's out there. Uh, so it, it's amazing on how I, I, I feel like every year, if you just ride dogs through week one, you're going to come out. Okay. Um, so this next game, however, Boise state heads to Troy. Uh, it's the playback game. Uh, Troy played Boise state, I think in week two, Last year, uh, Troy had a seasoned quarterback, a pretty good offense, and a fantastic defensive line last year. Uh, all of those guys are gone now, and Boise State actually returns a fair amount of production, including the senior quarterback now. I think he's, is he senior or junior? Rippin. I think he's a junior. Uh, junior quarterback in, in Rippin. Uh, right now, the line is minus 10. What are your thoughts? A uh, huge mismatch on uh, when when Troy has the football. Uh, we mentioned this in the previous podcast. Boise State brings back, uh, I think they're ninth overall in returning defensive production. Troy is 104th on the flip side in returning offensive production. So a lot of new faces that Troy's going to be putting out there. Um, I would expect Boise State to cause havoc uh, up on the defensive line um, all day long. I mean, you know, with the number being at 10, and there's not a ton of action on it right now, but what is out there, there's a little bit more money that's coming in on Troy. Again, it's a home team catching points, and it's a home team in Troy that, you know, has has been profitable to betters in the past. Um, you know, 10's a lot to go to and went on the road by. Something i am be honest with you, I, I won't be involved, um, but it would not shock me. Um, if one, it's a low scoring game. So that yep. total of 48, uh, if it doesn't stay under that total. And if you don't see, uh, 
uh, it wouldn't shock me if Boise State covers. I'll put it that way. Yep, yep, I, I would agree with that. And I, I'm not sure really much more we can add to that game. Um, in the Rose Bowl, four o'clock local kickoff. Cincinnati comes into town uh, to play UCLA. This is, of course, the first game for Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly just announced that they uh, suspended what six starters, including their starting tailback. Uh, for not following team rules or, or whatever. Um, clearly, that's Chip Kelly trying to install his new uh, kind of um, strong-arm grip on the program. Um, for me, it's a game that I, I think you pass on. If I had a lean, I probably would – I probably would take UCLA just because I think those guys are going to be playing playing strong for Chip Kelly uh, in that first game. But I, there's really nothing I like in this game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I would expect a lot of mistakes uh, on UCLA, you know, offensively and defensively with a whole new staff scheme. Everything is kind of expected early in the season. As we mentioned in the uh, previous podcast, UCLA is a team that you know, I would expect to get better as the season goes along. And there might be some opportunities in some spot play situations later in the season where they might be, uh, might be a, a good option uh, to look at. But, you know, there's just, uh, you know, listen, you, you think Chip Kelly and you're going to automatically think Oregon. And what UCLA is going to put on the field is not, not going to look be like yep. it's not going to be Oregon. Yep. So. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely one I expect him to win it. Um, but no action for me. Yep. Agreed. Uh, this next game is Bowling Green, the mighty Bowling Green, uh, heads to Otson play Oregon five o'clock local kickoff time on the PAC 12 network. And I know everyone has a PAC 12 channel, so everybody should be able to watch it. Um, the only play that I, so one of my favorite plays back in the day when Chip Kelly, when the Chip Kelly machine was running strong at Oregon was you would have these, especially these, these first games of the season, they'd be incredible mismatches with a large spread. I hate chewing off uh, on such a large spread, but what I, where I made a fair amount of money on the Oregon ducks. And this I think will be my play for this game is looking to see what that first half line is. Because it's going to be a brand new coaching staff, they're going to want to want to be dominate and prove themselves in front of the home fans that this is going to be a brand new Oregon team. Uh, we've said that Justin Herbert, when healthy, which he will be playing, uh, is really second to probably Khalil Tate as far as one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the conference. This to me feels like a game that Oregon really gets up for to kind of show that they're back being a force in the conference. Uh, and so I see them um, beating up on just a nowhere near as talented Bowling Green team. What are your thoughts? I have nothing uh, to add and won't be involved. I just, when, when you get games that are, that carry a number like Oregon minus 32, I just, I, I just I want nothing to do with it. I just I stay away from it, um, you know. But again, I'll I'll definitely check the box score and see. You know, I expect Oregon to score points. Um, I expect their defense to play well. You know, they kept Jim Levitt. They kept him from going to Florida State with Willie Taggart, which was a huge get. And they're getting better on that side of the ball. But listen, it's a tune-up game. They basically have uh, three tune-up games before they uh, <laughs> right. before they play Stanford. So. Tune-up September, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and really nothing more to add. It's going to be a blowout. Uh, the next game is a 7.30 local kickoff time on FS1. And it is the Roadrunners of University of Texas San Antonio going into the unfriendly confines of uh, Arizona State University, Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe. Uh, this will be the very first game for Herm Edwards. Uh, we talked about this. Uh, Arizona State a lot that uh, we're not expecting a lot from this team. I think it was just a bad hire altogether. Love Herm Edwards as a person, but I think someone who has not been in the college game for, what, 30 years um, and has not coached for at least, was it 10 or something like that? Um, it, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. This will be one of those where you kind of sit back, uh, have a drink, and just see what happens. But uh, there's no way I will have any money on this game. You? Um, uh, the only thing I'd look at uh, right now, uh, total 53 and a half. Um, ASU is going to score points. They got, a, they got a lot of guys back, a lot of returning production. They have one of the most underrated <laughs> quarterbacks in the country, Manny yeah. Wilkins. Um, they're going to put up points against UTSA now. On the flip side, their ASU's defense has a ton of question marks, tons of new faces. Obviously, um, you know, yeah, I, listen, 53 and a half, if, if, if Arizona State goes out and, and moves the football and puts up points like I think they will, uh, if you probably get uh, a couple scores out of UTSA, uh, that thing probably flies over the total of 53 and a half. But I don't have a ton of interest in it. I'll, I'll watch and potentially play it live, but – um, that's the only way I'd lean if I was going to play this pre-kickoff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next game is BYU at Arizona in Tucson. Uh, 7.45 kick on ESPN. Obviously, BYU, it makes sense that ESPN takes that game. Obviously, BYU brings a big national audience. Uh, and then also, also you have Khalil Tate, and everybody wanting to see, okay, what is Khalil Tate, the 2.0 experience, going to be like uh, with – with the new coaching staff, um, you know, a couple things on BYU. I, I realize BYU is an independent, but still on the West, uh, you know, their, their head coach, Sataki, he is, this is now his second year, I think, or his third is a third year. Yeah, man. Uh, came from, he was the, um, uh, he, he comes from defensive coordinator side of things. Uh, he, he was a really good assistant coach. I liked the hire. He was a longtime assistant at the University of Utah under Whittingham as the defensive coordinator. Went to Oregon State with Anderson, uh, was the DC there for, I think, just a year, and then took the uh, BYU job. Um, I thought it was a good hire for them. Uh, so far, the results have not been good. I do know that I think one of the big – I think when Bronco Mendenhall left BYU, he left the cupboard quite bare, and we've seen that over the last couple of years, that they just really haven't had the talent on either side of the ball. Um, but if they play like their coach, it's going to be a hard – they're going to play a hard-nosed game. And a lot of times because uh, – <laughs> I joke here, but uh, a lot of the BYU guys are 28-plus-year-old uh, – year old men uh they're not going to make as much as many mistakes uh right out the shoot that other teams would so they may play arizona strong what are your thoughts in this game well spread sits at at 11 and a half right now so it's arizona minus 11 and a half um for me 
uh, I know Arizona's going to score points. Uh, when you have the most dynamic kid playing quarterback, I think, uh, in the country, and Khalil Tate, uh, you expect some fireworks from him. I think what it'll really come down to, if you're looking to play on Arizona, um, so they have five sophomores in the starting depth chart on defense. Those guys all played last year, but they struggled. And, um, you know, with the way BYU is going to play with running the football, doing, going play action, if Arizona can get stops, can get off the field and get the ball back to, to Tate and company, you know, I, I would expect them to cover. Now, if they can't um, get off the field and BYU can actually move the ball, it's, it's going to drain clock. It's, you know, it's going to keep the defense out there. And, you know, I could see where, you know, BYU might hang around. I mean, BYU is definitely an, an unknown commodity. And I think you expect more out of them than what you've seen the last couple of years. So, you know, it seems like, you know, first glance, like, well, man, it's almost a lay down on Arizona. But, you know, that line actually opened at 14 and came down to 11 and a half. So it is a little bit of a red flag for me. Um, I'll be watching it. I might play it live. I mean, I want to see what the Arizona defense looks like, um, considering what question marks there were. Uh, based off last year before I before I get involved. Right. Yep. Couldn't agree more on that. Um, the next game, uh, the last the last game of at least the Mountain West Pac-12 opportunities on Saturday is going to be the uh, late night battle between the Navy midshipmen heading to Honolulu to play the um, to play Hawaii, who just came off of a, a upset victory at Colorado State in Week Zero college football season um the line started at 15 has now moved to 10 uh in favor of navy what are your thoughts well the line yeah i mean the lines actually moved um you know towards hawaii from the standpoint that right. the, the, the numbers come down um i think it's a little bit of an overreaction simply because uh, you know what you're going to get out of navy you know they're going to run the triple option. Um, Navy's or excuse me, Hawaii's, <clears throat> you know, only going to have had you know a week to prepare for it, which is always tough when, especially when you don't see it very often. And, and they, you know, they saw it a little bit when Bob Davy ran it at New Mexico. He's since changed up um, the way they're going to play. But um, Navy's got a kid named Malcolm Perry that'll be playing quarterback that. The funny thing about him, he was a slot back for them last year. And then, like, week six, they inserted him at quarterback because they had some injuries and issues. And probably only at Navy can you just take your, like, most explosive athlete and just say, hey, play quarterback. And all he did was, like, rush for 282 yards the first game he had against SMU. Um, I would expect, given the fact that Hawaii's defense has a ton of question marks, keep in mind they gave up, you know, 30 points in the second half to Colorado State. I fully expect Navy to run the ball down their throat and would, you know, now that it's sitting at 10, you know, I, I've got a little bit of lean to them. Um, the only thing I'd caution to is I, I think Hawaii showed that they can move the football and put up points too. So when you're looking at a total of 62, if you factor in some explosive runs from Navy and, and Navy's always been susceptible to giving up big pass plays, they just mm -hmm. don't have the athletes on defense. If Hawaii can score as well, I could expect a shootout. And I think that they could fly way over the total. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think it's one of those that it's on CBS College Sports. Um, I'm not sure if there will be live action available. It will be on TV. So I would say if you can get uh, 
if that live bet is open, I would strongly recommend watching the first couple possessions on both sides of the ball. And I think you'll have a really good idea of, of how that game goes. Watching the Hawaii-Colorado State game, it was clear from the very get-go that Colorado State had an incredible advantage at the line of scrimmage on offense uh, running the ball. Uh, Colorado State got away from it and then became very predictable on when they were going to run um, uh, when they tried to get back to it. Navy, I see them having that same advantage. Uh, and, I, and, and to be quite honest, the linebackers and secondary for Hawaii seemed um, really small and slow. <laughs> so I, I, I think it is a I think it's a mismatch for uh, I think it's a mismatch, definite mismatch on that side of the ball. And the only question is, is uh, can Navy slow Hawaii down enough on their on defense? Uh, if they can, I think Navy covers that game as well. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more frustrating. Ask any any guy that plays on the defensive line and and playing against Navy and the blocking schemes and the triple option, the way they block, it's frustrating. And if you're not used to playing against it, it it'll frustrate you the entire game. And and that's what Navy does. They just, you know, it's it's like you know what, what they call it, uh, death by a thousand paper cuts. Right. I mean, they just they kind of hit you, hit you, hit you, and then all of a sudden, you know, they break a big one off and. Um, if Navy can move the ball and, and Navy offense stays on the field, keeps Hawaii's defense out there, it could be a very long day for Hawaii. Yep, agreed. Um, okay, so rapid fire at the very end of each of these podcasts that we're going to do, the Thursday podcast that really previews the upcoming slate of college football games, we're going to cover every Pac-12 Mountain West contest with detail. Uh, but then, of course, you also have to go through and, and at least lightly touch some of the big games that uh, that will be taking place this weekend as well. So uh, <laughs> I say big games in the first one I talk about. is not going to be a big game, but it does have interest to me. Uh, Kent State going to Illinois. Uh, most of you are like, are you kidding me? That's what you're going to talk about. Illinois is absolutely awful. Uh, Kent State does return a fair amount of guys. They're installing a new up-tempo offense. I think this – it won't be a strong play, but I may put them into a parlay that uh, look for Kent State to cover, uh, which is now 16.5 points um, or – uh, 16 and a half points. I can see them staying within 16 and a half points against a bad Illinois team. Um, you have any thoughts on that one? Um, you know, I'll, I would say this, uh, Kent state's head coach, Sean Lewis, first year head coach, 32 years old. So the youngest D one head coach, Dino Babers disciple was co-offense coordinator at, at Syracuse the last two years. If you follow Dino Babers, you know, the way they play, it's going to be wide open. Um, and really, they have nothing to lose in this game. So they'll, they're going to go let it all hang out. Um, the, the question I have is just, you know, this is a Big Ten team versus a MAC team. Does Kent State have the ability to hold up in the trenches? Um, you know they're going to lack depth, you know, to, to not get worn down. And that could be a game that, quite frankly, you could see Kent State covering the number. And then you see a late score by Illinois that possibly right. pushes it over. So there's right. always that. that yep. You know, and, and it's an unknown commodity with yep. Kent State because you just you put that offense in. If you don't have the athletes that can necessarily execute it, it can be a train wreck. So I, I won't be on it, but, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Ole Miss, Texas Tech, thoughts? 
I actually like Ole Miss here. Okay. Um, they're two and a half point underdogs. Uh, you know, they lost Shea Patterson and went to Michigan as a quarterback. Uh, they had a junior college kid that stepped in last year when Patterson got hurt and very good. Uh, in fact, one of the more uh, underrated kids in the country at that position. Listen, Ole Miss is going to score points. Texas Tech, believe it or not, the strength of their team this year is expected to be their defense. It's a defense that plays in the Big 12. And if you call, follow college football, you know what Big 12 defenses look like. Um, so I expect a ton of points. The total sits at 67 and a half. The game's being played in Houston at Reliance Stadium. Um, but I, I actually expect the Rebels to go in there and get a victory. I think they have enough talent, given all the stuff that's happened over the last couple of years. They've still been able to keep a lot of the top recruits that they had. They've got uh, returning production. Uh, two leading receivers are back to go with the quarterback. I expect them to score points, and I expect them to get a victory. Yep. Uh, FAU heads to Oklahoma. Um, this is one of those games to me that if you like FAU, I would say get that in before game day because my guess is that there's going to be some there'll be coverage on this game and and of course um i'm blanking on the head coach name for fau lane kiffin thank you so there's going to be a story on lane kiffin you just know that and then talking about how they're recruiting how they're bringing in kind of the the misfit five-star blue chip recruits from different programs to come in uh so my guess would be is that if you want to play it play it now because I wouldn't surprise me if it moves from 21 uh, down to maybe 20 or 19 at kickoff uh, in favor of Oklahoma. Any thoughts? Um, if, if I were going to play this, I'd probably look to the first half um, with the line being at 21, depending on the number you get. Uh, Oklahoma's going to break in a new quarterback, Kyler Murray. Now he's a Texas A&M transfer. He, he played a little bit last year behind Baker Mayfield. I think everybody knows he was drafted in the first round of the major league draft, and he's already come out and said he's playing one year of college football. Very dynamic, dual-threat kid, Very, you know, uh, a lot of speed, so can still probably run you know, that offense uh, at OU. But, again, new quarterback, first half of the first game. You probably expect a little bit of, uh, of rust and, and, and some execution lapses, but don't fall into the hype of the lane train is what I would say because, <clears throat> to your point, FAU is going to get a lot of love. And it's probably deserving. I mean, they've returned a lot of production from last year. Um, they're going to go in, ton of swagger. They're going to expect to win the football game. I just don't know that they have the depth, nor do they have the athletes to to really hang for 60 minutes with OU. But if I was going to play it, you know, I'd, I'd look to the first half and try to, you know, shorten that opportunity. Because, again, like some of these, you know, big school versus small school games, I think once OU gets into rhythm, I mean, Lincoln Riley's an, an offensive genius, the head coach at OU. Um, once they get into rhythm, they're going to put up points. Um, and, and that could be something where that, that game gets away from FAU in the second half. So if you're going to play it and you want to play FAU, I would lean to the first half. I will not be involved, though. Yep. Uh, Michigan heads to Notre Dame. Any thoughts? Too many question marks for me. Uh, Michigan lost their top wide receiver to a broken foot. It was just announced yesterday. Notre Dame has arguably, depending on who you read and who you listen to, um, one of the best defenses coming back um, uh, this season. They're at home. Coaching-wise, I like Chip Kelly over Jim Harbaugh. I mean, Jim Harbaugh loses this game. They'll be eight, he'll be 8-8 eight and eight in his last 16 as a head coach. Yeah. Um, the line sits at Notre Dame minus one right now. The question mark I have, and probably why I won't play it, is Notre Dame, besides Wimbush coming back at, at QB, literally has lost everything on offense, including – 
a couple offensive linemen that went in the first round of the draft last year. Skill guys are not back, so they're breaking in a bunch of new faces. And Michigan's strength, believe it or not, is actually their defense. they got a ton of guys back. Their defensive line is, is going to be one of the best in the country. So total sits at 47. I could see that probably going under. But, man, it's, it's a complete toss-up. And that's, that's, a, that's a rivalry game. It's a big game for both schools. And I just don't know how you get involved when you just you haven't seen either team yet. Yep. Um, Louisville plays Alabama. Uh, the line started at 25 and a half. It's now 24 in favor of Alabama. Um, definitely just a live play for me. I, any thoughts? Um, I'll just say this. If, if, um, if there's one question mark, uh, on Alabama this year, it's going to be their defensive secondary. Uh, Bobby Petrino, one of the better offensive minds in football. Obviously, you know, followed Louisville. You know about Lamar Jackson. They got a kid stepping in behind him that, again, kind of looks the part, was very good in some mop-up duty. Again, another underrated kid. And I think, you know, I won't be involved, but what I would just say is if if Louisville can, you know, you're going to test the Alabama secondary. And if Louisville can move the ball and put up some points – they could very well stay within that number, but I mean, this is, this is saving, this is opening week. And let's be honest. I mean, probably everyone, including myself, probably expects Bama domination. Yep. Agreed. Uh, real quickly through these last two Miami LSU. Yeah. I mean, that's a standalone game on Sunday um, for this Labor Day weekend. So you get a little bit of college football on Sunday. Right. <laughs> you know, LSU, Ed Orgeron, great soundbite. I mean, I think, and I think he's really well liked. Um, I just don't know how good LSU is. I mean, they're ranked 25th preseason. I think that's based off name alone. Um, they had two kids just transfer out of the program that were both quarterbacks. So they're thin uh, in quarterback depth, and they don't really know who they – there wasn't a decisive starter that was named. So you have issues over there from a team that historically has struggled on offense. And you got a Miami team coming back, probably exceeded expectations last year with Mark Rick. Um, line sits at three and a half right now. I'll tell you right now, I won't play a pre-snap, although I do – or pre-kick, sorry. I, I do expect Miami to win. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to watch and see because, uh, you know, uh, I, I just don't know at this point. I mean, it's, it's going to be the only thing on that night, so I'm sure I'll have something live going once I kind of get an idea of, of what we're looking at. But I – it wouldn't surprise me if LSU is a complete train wreck on, on offense. Uh, and the final game, which is going to be on Monday, a game that uh, has two teams that, um, you know, I think Virginia Tech's going to be, I think both teams could be okay. Clearly this would have been a much more of a marquee matchup 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's Virginia Tech versus Florida State. Uh, any final thoughts on the last game of, of week one? Uh, Florida State gets back DeAndre Francois, who uh, last year tore his knee up in the first game of the year in the kickoff against Bama. Kind of derailed FSU's entire season. New coaching staff at Florida State, so Willie Taggart's going to take over. I don't know what to expect from him. Um, I'm not a huge, huge proponent of, uh, of Willie Taggart. I mean, they had one of the best in Jimbo Fisher. Uh, for quite a long time. I mean, they're favored by seven and a half. It's a home game for Florida State. It's a conference opener. Um, you know, Virginia Tech, they still got Bud Foster um, as defensive coordinator. 
Um, and so yeah, I think, you know, with Virginia tech, what you're going to get out of defense, they're going to be good on special teams. Um, you know, it's seven and a half. It's a game. I'll look to play it live. I mean, but again, uh, too many question marks. I just, I, I, I don't know what Florida state really brings to the table. I mean, you know, they recruit well top five recruiting class every year, but how, how do they transition into the system that Willie Taggart's going to run? And, and what do they look like on, on the defensive side of the ball too? A lot of question marks. So something I'll watch and, and play live. It's a Monday night game on ESPN. So another primetime game on Labor Day, but uh, nothing, nothing pre-kick for me. Okay. Uh, so that's pretty much the entire slate. Uh, I mean, the final thought would be enjoy week one. I, it's a, the college football season, there's nothing like it. It's, it's the best sport on the planet, and it goes so quickly. So enjoy it. Uh, good luck with all the bets. Uh, we will be tweeting starting this evening uh, at HFB Sports. Uh, so make sure to follow us. Uh, we'll be doing tweets all the way through the day, especially, um, especially talking about the New Mexico state, Minnesota, and definitely when the San Diego state, San Diego state, Stanford and Colorado, Colorado state games are going. Uh, and then, uh, and then obviously we will be coming back to you with a podcast on, uh, Monday that does a wrap up and probably a little bit talk about the Florida state, Virginia tech, but a wrap up. Uh, of the week that was um, and, and maybe a sneak peek on the week on week two of college football. Any other final thoughts, big Gil? No, just uh, good luck to everybody and, uh, you know, stay horny out there this weekend. Thank you for listening to the HFV podcast, your source for West coast athletics. Follow us on Twitter at HFV sports and look for podcasts each week on Monday and Thursday.